Hey, what's going on? This is the Educated Guest Podcast, and I'm Justin, your host. Hey, if this is your first time listening, then thank you for taking the time to join in in this movement. Most people who tune in regularly are artists and designers who are seeking a transformational style of education. So if you're someone currently looking to start a studio or you're pursuing a career as a full-time artist or just trying to get the job of your dreams, then you are in the right place. The good news is that there is some method to the madness. We're not just randomly talking about things. We have three episode types, which includes our well-known series of dialogues entitled Well Read. Our three segments collectively answer questions regarding personal development, professional practice, and artistic inspiration. And as you might have heard, our current summer lecture series is brought to you in part by Salonier, a brand new trend and philosophy platform by the design studio Bodega. Let's face it, you know, if you've been in business a while, then you know how strange it feels to talk to clients and partners about trends. You know, most people just avoid the conversation altogether, you know, because they have no way of defending or standing up for any creative decision they make. As you know, this frustration alone can cost you clients, retainers, referrals, and the list kind of goes on. So that said, how would you feel if I told you that you could access the exact research methods, frameworks, and insights used to help clients like Nike, High Stability, and Business of Fashion think through their strategy. This is what Salonier is all about. The fact is that marketing and brand directors pay loads of cash every year for these same insights and Salonier is making them available to you for just a fraction of the price. Good news is that just for educated guest listeners, Salonier is offering a special discount code. So if this sounds like something you need, then just head to salonierpaper.com and enter the promo code Educated guest 20 to receive 20% off your subscription. Again, that's salonierpaper.com and enter the promo code Educated guest 20 to receive 20% off your subscription. We'll also have the link in the show notes as well. All right, let's go ahead and jump into the content now. Um, Obviously, we're here with another solo episode and I wanted to continue some of our conversations from the past few weeks and... Um, bring to mind some skills, some ideas, some thought patterns that might help you navigate some of the, some of the unmeasurables. And previously we talked about the difference, difference between skills and attributes. And um, it made me start thinking about uh, vision setting. And when you start to set a vision and when you start to set a future and place yourself there, a lot of the times, um, we don't work hard enough at what that actually means. And a lot of, you know, when we're younger, we don't have to work to dream. If you remember being in second grade, first grade, you didn't have to work on two specific things you didn't have to work towards. You didn't have to work towards imagination and you didn't have to work towards dreaming. In fact, our dreams were so vivid sometimes that they turned to nightmares and we got scared of them. So it makes sense logically that if you're able to recapture now with the with the with the prefrontal cortex development that most people listening to this show already have, if you're able to recapture that true nature of your childhood and your ability to imagine and your ability to cast a vision and your ability to dream, 
then it makes sense that you should be able to more appropriately imagine what your next five years will look like. And I'll never forget, I'll start with a brief story. I was in Dallas for um, a conference, I think. It's had to be like seven years ago. And I was in Dallas for a conference and somebody I was with, I think we were at dinner or something like that. She asked me, yeah, Justin, do you do you know what your uh, ten-year plan is going to be? And I guess six or seven years ago, I'd have been like 20, 21. So even at 20, 21, now I'm realizing how young I was at the time. <laughs> you know, when you're 20, 21, you're thinking you're like 50. But anyway, and even at 28, I'd be thinking I'm like 60. But nonetheless, when you're 20, 21, somebody asks you what your 10-year plan about to be, you're like, what? And obviously, I you know, I'm more <laughs> seasoned um, than even then. But even at the time, I knew uh, how to eloquently respond to that. And I felt pressure to respond to that. I think that's the point that I'm bringing up out of this story. Someone asked me, hey, Justin, you know what your 10-year plan is going to be? And it was a very legitimate question she was asking me. And in hindsight, I'm like, that's unreasonable to ask somebody what your 10-year plan is about to be. But it's not unreasonable to know what, number one, five years is going to be, and number two, three years is going to be, and number three, one year, and try to find the common thread between those three. Because one thing that I know is true about being uh, as old as I am is I can very vividly remember what five years ago felt like. Vividly, like, I remember what I was wearing, what I smelled like, what others smelled like where I was, what I liked to do, my favorite places, my favorite things, what was popular at the time, like what was not popular. I remember that like it was yesterday. And people always say like it was yesterday. But you know, one thing people are never saying is I see that like it's tomorrow. Think about that. Everybody can remember, and I'm, I'm speaking very, very calmly and very like casually. You can see my southerness is coming out. Everybody be not a, um, Everybody knows and everybody says, I remember that like it was yesterday, but you don't ever hear anybody saying, I remember that. I see that like it's tomorrow because we don't spend, we don't, and that happens for one simple reason. We don't build the muscle of seeing tomorrow. All we do is retrain the muscle of seeing yesterdays and you wonder why you're depressed and you wonder why you are Anxious. Your anxiety stems from the inability to even see what tomorrow might be. And your depression stems from the place of remembering so vividly what yesterday felt like. And whether it was good or it was bad, you're stuck there. You're either dealing with, you're either dealing with the emotion of not being able to recapture what once was, or you're dealing with the emotion of not being able to escape what it was. So that's why what we're talking about today is so important. And what we're talking about is this idea of arrival, the principle of arrival. And even though we know that, even though we know that there is never truly a place of destination, we have to always remember that everything that we are today is just a summation of our actions our anticipations and our reactions of our past. I'll say it again. Everything we are today is simply a summation of our reactions, our actions, 
and our anticipations of our past. So when I show up today and I'm recording this thing, I'm either reacting to something that I felt, I'm anticipating something you might feel, or I'm acting in hope of somebody feeling something. So it makes sense that we should be able to step into our future very clearly by practicing one of those three things. Now, as you might imagine, everybody here is smart. Everybody here is, you know, very, very well educated in one way or another. Some people I'm speaking to right now probably have degrees higher than mine. People, people who I'm speaking to right now probably have made more money than I have. Whatever your measure of success is, you might have more of it than me. That's cool. But one thing I'm sure about is that we all know that the longer we spend reacting, the longer we spend reacting as opposed to anticipating, the more fearful we're going to be about something we can't handle. See, the quality of our life and the quality of our emotions are stem a little bit from our ability to understand our ability to handle the uncertain. I think it's Bill Gates has a quote about uncertainty being available to all, but it just comes at a high price. Or excuse me, certainty is available to all, but it just comes at a high price. Certainty is very, very, very expensive. So if you imagine, you know, if you, now that we know what the problem is, we know that I've talked a little bit about anticipation versus reaction. I've talked a little bit about um, where depression stems from. I'm talking a little bit about where anxiety stems from. I'm talking a little bit about arrival. I'm talking about preparation. I'm talking about memory. But one thing I haven't talked about, and this is how to move out of this place. We all know that, oh, okay, cool. Like, I get it. Cool. I've got my notes. Got a couple bars I take with me for the week. But what's the next step? What's the action? The action here is simple. If we summate and we were to summarize some of our best experiences, and I, I put something out there recently, um, that is sort of an evaluator, a self-evaluation system I use. And it's all about the amount of money we would spend to relive the experience. All of us understand value in terms of money these days. I mean, we're in a capitalist world. So if you were to spend money, your own money, to relive whatever it is that you did today, how much would you spend? It's the very first question and probably the only question that will get you through a full life evaluation very quickly. You can pay for therapy. I've been to therapy. It's helpful for certain things. You can pay for a life coach. You can talk to all your friends. You can, do every, you can read every book on the shelf. But that one question will always bring you back to a truth. How much would you pay? And a truth that's a very secular truth. We are not even speaking about... Um, the spiritual realm just yet. We're talking about that specifically in this segment. But one thing that is true is that if you want to return to a truth about your life, about your, about your quality of life, you'll return to the truth of the value of the emotions you, you, you had that day. You know, one thing that people are always paying for, you ask somebody, well, what's, what, what do you get a man who has everything? What do you get a woman who has everything? What do they always say? man, I just want some peace. I just want to, man, I just want everything to stop. I just want, I just want some peace. 
can you imagine how much peace is worth? And what are those other emotions that accompany peace? How about ecstasy? How about flow, flow state, creativity? How about joy? How about contribution? How about your ability? How about confidence? You know, every barber on the planet ought to be millionaires because they give half of the folks out here confidence. Some you give some people without you, you let some people walk out the walk out in the world without a lineup for more than four weeks. They had like their whole world's crashing down. That's a whole set of a whole different set of problems. But as creators, as artists, as designers, as people who are either trying to get a dream job or you know building your studio actively, trying to develop a vernacular that makes sense for your work. These are the things that you're looking for. You're not coming to me asking how to kern type. Like, I'm not here to teach you how to kern. That's not the, that's not the most valuable skill. That's back to skills versus attributes. Kerning, nobody's paying $2 million a year or keeping somebody on retainer for 30 bands a month. And they're not paying Michael Beirut t- to bring them in to kern some type for them. That's not why they're paying him. In reality, people pay for these emotions because they're the things that matter most. So as you're evaluating where you want to be and where you want to arrive in five years, it's quite frankly a matter of evaluating three things. It's about evaluating the relationships you want to develop, the relationships you already have and want to cultivate. This is number one, relationships who do you want to have in your life? And I would encourage you as you imagine those next one, three, five year segments of your life, who is next to you? Everybody talks about the dream job. I had a, I had a thought personally. I have very specific visions of houses I want to inhabit or at least spend time in, environments that I want to have my time in. And I had a revelation just yesterday. I just thought to myself, man, like, who do I even want to be in there with me? Because after you walk through the doors for the first time, get the first grand tour, who are the first five people you want to experience it with? And that's going to teach you a lot about who you have around and why they're around and anybody else you let in in the future, why you want them to be around. So that's number one. As you imagine five years from now, start with the relationships. Number two, start with the questions you're seeking to answer. This is number two. So again, we're on the topic of imagining five years from now. I encourage you to highly, highly, I highly, highly encourage you to go out and figure out which questions you're trying to answer about the world. You know, as most people know, um, I went back to school recently and it was a big life change for me. And many people ask me like, why did you go back to school? Or, you know, how are you teaching people and learning at the same time? Which I think is a rather interesting question. Um, And one of the biggest things I've realized that it's a difference between one type of person and another type of person and all of my you know, colleagues, whether it be professors, you know, students and professors, everybody's on equal playing field here trying to develop in some way or another. One difference I've seen is I can always tell where somebody's at by the quality of questions they're asking about a situation. And it goes back to the same example I just used a second ago. People who are asking questions about kerning are missing the whole point. People who are asking questions about communication are getting closer. And then questions above that are questions only each and every person knows that are that matters. 
I would argue that questions about kerning are different than questions about communication and are far different than questions about confidence. Talking about like business confidence and an identity. All three are related. All three could technically be the job of a graphic designer, but they're very, very different things. So I would very, very, I would really encourage you to, again, number two, start determining which questions are worth asking and answering about the world. What do you want to seek? What do you want to, like, what are you trying to attack? What are you trying to, you know, fix? And not even fix, what are you trying to impact? What impact are you trying to have? Now, somebody I've had on the show before, um, an amazing mind, his name is Warren Berger. Um, and he wrote a book called A More Beautiful Question. I, I really encourage you to go back and listen to that. He's an awesome guest. Um, and he asks this, he has a series of questions is, you know, why, what if, and how, why, how might we? It's a series of questions. It's a great framework to start evaluating not only situations of the world, but situations of your life. It's like, well, why am I 20 pounds overweight? What if I was 20 pounds lighter? And how might I get there? Like, that's a very simple, simple scenario. Um, and then number three, number three, as we evaluate vision setting for the future, how do you get, how do you understand where you want to be in five years and how do you get there? I would really encourage you to start to evaluate your belief system. And it doesn't mean I'm trying to tell you to be a Christian, be Muslim, be a Buddhist. I'm not trying to tell you to do anything. What I'm advising you to do, what I'm advising you to do is to figure out why you believe in the things you believe in, figure out what drives your belief system, and then figure out what things are a threat to your beliefs. And that last one is probably the most intriguing one that I've found recently. Because threats to your beliefs aren't really, <laughs> that's, actually the, that's actually the joy of believing. You know, what is faith if it's faith untested? So as you start to say, hey, like, and a belief can be something simple. It's like, I, I believe I'm the best rapper there is. Okay. Nobody's heard you rap. So what's faith if, faith if faith goes untested? Or I believe that I'm this, or I believe that I'm that, or I believe in this, or I believe in this, or I believe this can happen. Okay. But what's a belief if a belief is untested? What's faith if faith goes untested? So as you move into the next five years, your belief system is going to have to have some moments that are tested heavily. I mentioned a minute ago that I've had some, you know, very strong beliefs or at least uh, future setting and vision setting for my life and the type of life I want to lead. And it's very specific. And those around me know what it is and those, you know, who ask, get an answer and those sorts of things. But I realize what that might mean. You know, if you've been listening for a while, then you've heard me talk about some aspects of my life. Something as simple as like drinking. You know, I like most people, like most average 22, 25 year olds, 21 year olds, whatever. You know, you, you're a social drinker. So you go out, you always grab a beer or you go out and you always get a, get a, you know, whatever you get. An old fashioned. And I love different types of drinks. I love mixology. I love that. I love the craft of it. I love craft cocktails. I've tried everything, tried every drink. 
some I'm a fan of, some I'm not. And I still drink to this day. The difference is now that I know why I'm drinking. I know when I'm drinking because I feel like it or when I'm drinking to escape something or when I'm drinking to in, in hopes of feeling a certain type of way to get something done or get a deal done or be more con, you know, conversational or more lax or whatever. And I try, and one thing I always tell people is to know what your baseline is before you start to add anything else to it. It's like a good steak. You know, some people will be, you know, if you ever meet some people, it's like they, they get a piece of chicken on their plate and they automatically put salt on it. And it's like, bro, you don't even know what it tastes like. And that's how people will do life. People will be doing life with, with salt on it. They don't even taste life without salt. They don't even taste, they don't even taste coffee without sugar, without cream. You don't even know what black coffee tastes like. It's like, I don't like black coffee. And it's like, okay. Have you ever tasted it? So what that means is that my belief system has to change to fit into the different imaginations that I have about my future and the future around me. So I really highly advise those listening today to take those three steps, evaluate the relationships, number one. Evaluate the questions you're asking about life and the world. And number three, I really highly encourage you to evaluate your belief system. Start to determine what drives you. And once you determine what drives you, figure out what's going to have to change in order to keep that drive. That's how you set a vision for the future. Till next time. Peace.